who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the One Woman Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Grace, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things book and author news, any current events in my life or reading updates that I have, and of course, discuss a quarter of our monthly book club pick, which this month is Meet Me at the Lake by Carly Fortune. I hope you all had an amazing week. It was a very sunny week here in Maine, and I am so happy about that. I feel like, knock on wood, we have finally crossed over a hump and we're getting finally into some spring and summer weather, which makes me so happy. And I am just ready to be at the beach and be reading my books outside. It feels so good. And it's just, it was really nice to like come back from my vacation in Punta Cana and then just finally feel like, okay, we're getting some warm weather. I have a little bit of a base tan maybe going on and I am just ready to be at the beach. What's so funny about me living in Maine personally is I, absolutely in my like adult life now do not go to the beach nearly as much as I should like I probably went once I think I went twice last summer for the whole entire summer which is abysmal and so awful because I truly live 10 minutes away from the closest beach and 20 minutes away from like multiple beaches in every direction. It's wonderful and an amazing problem to have and this summer I am making a vow to myself I'm going to try to go once a week, just even for a couple of hours, even if it's after work, even if it's like walking on the beach, like getting an ice cream, getting dinner and going at the very least once every two weeks. So that's just my goal. And I know some so many of the bookstagrammers that I follow go to the beach so much during the summer who are in Portland with me. So enough is enough. I'm going to the beach and I'm going to enjoy myself. That's my spiel to begin this week's episode. <laughs> So I hope you all also had a fantastic week. Um, Let's talk about the books that I read this week or the books that I finished up this week. I actually don't have too, too much in terms of like book related stuff that I want to talk about. 
And I really dropped the ball because I forgot to do poll questions this week. Guys, I am truly just a beginner when it comes to all this podcast stuff. And I'm learning like my real life and my like job and everything and everything else that's going on in my life really sometimes take precedent. And I completely forget that I'm like, oh, shit, I have to record a podcast episode before I do this or this or this. So This week, before we get into books, I guess I'll chat a little bit more about my life. Um, I'm actually leaving today to go down to Boston. My dad is going to pick me up and we're going to go see Steve Martin and Martin Short do their comedy show, which I'm so excited about. I got him these tickets for Christmas. He's a huge Steve Martin and Martin Short fan, as am I, um, because he has showed me their stuff forever. I've watched so many of their movies growing up and of course SNL. And now, of course, only murders in the building. I just think they're so funny. So I'm really excited. He's going to pick me up in just a few hours. We're going to go down to Boston, stay over, um, get some dinner, go to the show. And then tomorrow morning, he's driving me to the airport bright and early, probably a little bit after 5 a.m. And I personally on my own am flying down to Orlando, Florida to Disney. Um, As you're listening to this, I will be at Disney um, for a work conference. I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but my um, job, part of my job is hosting conferences for accounts payable professionals. So I will be attending that conference. Um, until Wednesday evening. I'll come home on Wednesday evening and then I'll be back. So a lot of travel. Um, I'm really excited to go down to Disney though. I'm not going to have much time, like personal time there or downtime. I'm pretty much going to be go, go, go with work stuff from like 6am to 8pm. But some of my work friends and I are hoping to sneak away for a little while, maybe go to Epcot get a couple drinks, maybe go on a ride or something like that. So that's what my week upcoming is looking like. And then last week was pretty much just like getting in the mode and preparing for that. And unfortunately, I'll be gone on Mother's Day tomorrow. So I spent the day with my mom yesterday doing some Mother's Day festivities, getting our nails done, things like that. So it's been a busy week and we have another busy week ahead. So if you're in the Florida area, I'll be down in Florida. Not that I will be able to see anyone, (laughs) but I'll be in your state, which is exciting. And then right when I get back from my conference um, next Wednesday, it's literally late, so it's pretty much Thursday, I'll be getting ready because next Saturday, May 20th, I will be at Gillette Stadium for the Eras Tour with Taylor Swift. And I am just like so, so, so thrilled. So I'm just like, get me to next Saturday, like a week from today, I will be prepping and getting ready with my best friends. So I am pumped for that. So that's what's going on in my life. Um, And I did finish up two books this week. So the first book that I finished was The Connollys of County Down by Tracy Lange. Okay, I've had so I've had enough of this. I do not know how to pronounce her last name. It is L-A-N-G-E. And I keep thinking of like Angela Lange. I just from freaking that horror show. I don't know how to pronounce her last name either. It's either Lang or Lange. Lang. I'm going to say Lang because it rolls off the tongue better personally. So The Connollys of County Down by Tracy Lang. And I loved it. So I received this as an advanced reader copy um, from Celadon Books, one of my favorite publishers, like a month ago. And I was supposed to be reading it like buddy reading it with a bunch of friends um, who I was paired up with from Celadon Books. And I got to like the halfway mark and then I went on my vacation and it just fell down. And I I think I've talked about this, like that was one of the books 
that I wanted to finish the week before my vacation. So I had no like outstanding books on my TBR that were like half finished, but I didn't. It was the one that I I let go to the wayside. But then this week I was like, you know what? I was really enjoying it. It's a great family drama. Let me pick it back up and see what I'm thinking of it. And I did finish it in like two days after that. And it was so, so good. If you're a fan, if you were a fan or are a fan of We Are the Brennans by Tracy Lang, you will love this book. This one comes out in August. I can tell you the actual day that it comes out and give you sort of my thoughts. But I loved it. I gave it four stars. I thought it was awesome. Um, Let me see the pub date for this one. Okay, this title will be released on August 1st, 2023. So we have a little bit of time um, to think about it. Let me just say the cover is absolutely stunning. Like one of the most gorgeous covers I've seen of a book in a really long time. Like I'm obsessed. Um, and I think so many of you will like this if you're a fan. Okay. So it's one of those books. It's extremely similar to We Are the Brennan. So if you've read that, you know what you're getting into. But if you haven't, it's a book where like nothing extremely insane happens. It's a family drama. It features a lot of different characters in this family. I'll give you the synopsis in a little bit. Um, and they're all just kind of like going through their own struggles. And there is a little hint of mystery, just like we are the Brennans, but nothing crazy. I don't know why, but this specific book and Tracy Lang's writing style reminded me of the writing style of Richard Osman in um, the Thursday Murder Club series. And there's not a whole lot of mystery that goes on in this book. And it's pretty predictable, a lot of it. But it was just it was so good. The writing is so charming and so clever. Um and just a classic, wonderful family drama. So let me give you the synopsis. When Tara Connolly is released from prison after serving 18 months on a drug charge, she knows rebuilding her life at 30 years old won't be easy. With no money and no prospects, she returns home to live with her siblings who are both busy with their own problems. Her brother, a single dad, struggles with the ongoing effects of a brain injury he sustained years ago, and his sister's fragile facade of calm and order is cracking under the burden of big secrets. Life becomes even more complicated when the cop who put her in prison keeps showing up unannounced, leaving Tara to wonder what he wants from her now. While she works to build a new career and hold her family together, Tara finds a chance at love in a most unlike in the mo- in a most unlikely place. But when the Connolly secrets start to unravel and threaten her future, they almost face their worst fears and come clean or risk losing each other forever. The Connollys of County Down is a moving novel about testing the bounds of love and loyalty. It explores the possibility of beginning our lives anew and reveals the pitfalls of shielding each other from the bitter truth. It was so good and it really focuses on the three main characters, Tara and then her two siblings. Um, But we also get a lot from that police officer who I mentioned in the synopsis um, and just a few other perspectives, but it's mostly those main four. It's so good. It's so dramatic and I gave it four out of five stars. I said Tracy Lang does it again um, with an absolutely outstanding family drama. Um, There's something about I talked about a little bit about Richard Osman's writing and how it's like similar and I think it has to do with the multiple points of view um, and the underlying mystery. I absolutely loved Tara's character and as the book went on I learned even more about her and her story. I grew to adore her even more. Um, I talked about how I struggled with a few of the characters, but I don't want to give anything away. Um, One of them particularly really pissed me off, um, and that kind of docked a little bit for me, but I still really enjoyed it. It was totally engrossing and honest, and I loved every second, and the twists and turns were an added an unexpected bonus, as Tracy Lang's writing and character development is the real meat and potatoes of her novels. I cannot wait to read whatever comes next from her, and there was a little nod to We Are the Brennans in this book, which I really love. I love when authors 
throw little hints at their other characters or their other books. So outstanding. I absolutely loved it. And again, thank you Celadon Books for sending me this advanced reader copy. The other book that I read this week was The Last Word by Taylor Adams. And if you listened to last week, this was one of my book of the month choices for this month. So I'm very happy I finally read a book of the month that I picked in the same month. It is great. That doesn't always happen. Unfortunately, this one was not for me. Ah, Oh my god, I have like I finished this yesterday. And I just have a lot to say about it. I don't want to like go too crazy because I feel like I'm the only one who didn't enjoy this book and I don't want to deter you from reading it too much. But for me, it was just it was a miss. And like the more I sit on it, I was maybe a little too scathing as I was writing it, my review. But when I was finishing this book, like the last 50 pages, I was like, please, for the love of God, this book needs to end. Like, oh my God, I cannot believe we are still reading this book. Like I was just like so over it, which sucks. Um, I gave the synopsis last week, but basically it's about a woman who's recovering from a little bit of trauma and she goes and house sits at this house in Seattle, like right on the beach. And she's an avid thriller reader and she is recommended a book by her neighbor and she reads it and she absolutely hates it, which I understand the irony of me having a not so great review of this book when I basically what happens, she writes a bad review for this book because she hates it and the author ends up like terrorizing her because of the one star review. So it's a really good premise. um, But there was a lot that I didn't like. And I talked about this last week, too. But Taylor Adams wrote No Exit, which I really loved. Um, But my review without giving anything away, I gave it it's somewhere between two and a half and three stars for me. And I said I might be the only one, but I wasn't super impressed with this. The story takes place over one night. And let me just tell you, it is the longest single night I have ever read. It dragged on and on and on and on. Truly, I agree with that. I know the irony of writing a not so positive review of this book of this book when the book premise starts with our main character writing a one star review of a thriller only for the author to seek revenge on her. So Taylor Adams, do not come for me. (laughs) The positives, it was very fast paced, bingeable, and I needed to know what happened next. I genuinely did read this incredibly fast, like one or two days. Some of the plot points were truly original and I really enjoyed the premise. There were some really cool things that Taylor Adams did in this book that I think a lot of you would really enjoy and I enjoyed them too. Um, But the negatives were I saw literally every twist coming from a mile away, except for like one of the final last ones. Um, Other than that, despite the fast paced nature, it was extremely predictable. Like it was a yawn. I was like, oh God, I know what's coming here. Um, And I know I've talked about this a little bit before when I can guess a twist in a thriller, like it's hard for me to just sit with a thriller and not try to guess what's going on. I'm always kind of like being a detective with it. Um, If I guess a twist and I'm like, oh my God, in my head, I'm like, if that's the twist, that's going to be so cool and so good. I will still rate a book like five stars if the twist is that good, even if I predicted it. It's totally fine to me. But to me, these twists and turns like weren't that good and I predicted them. So I was like, oh, that's a bummer. In warning, it's extremely gory. Um, lots of blood, lots of just gory talk. And that doesn't really bother me because I'm a huge horror movie fan. Like I that doesn't really bother me. But this does in general kind of read more as a horror book than a thriller to me for a few reasons. Um, 
there was a lot going on and I don't think it was done remarkably well, which is sad because I really loved No Exit. So kind of a flop, which is a bummer, but not every book you read is going to be a winner. And for me, I've, I talked about this with my boyfriend a little bit yesterday. I was like audibly being like, oh my God, this book needs to end. And like he was sitting on the couch with me and he's like, oh my God, like, what are you going to rate it? Or I was just like, oh, this book sucks. Three stars. And he's like, how could you rate a book three stars if you really didn't like it? But for me, like if I'm hating, hating, hating a book, I'm going to put it down. Like there, I don't, I, I rarely rate a book less than two to two and a half stars. If I finish a book, it's because it had some sort of a quality that I enjoyed about it enough for me to keep reading, if that makes sense. But like, I will rate a book like two, two and a half stars if I read it and I hated it. And that's the lowest I'll go. Like if I DNF a book, like I'm not going to read a book and finish a book that I absolutely am hating. Unless the only caveat to that would be like if I was enjoying a book all the way through and then the ending, like, or like the last half of it or something, I could not stand and it like ruined the book for me. I have not had that happen yet because typically I can see when a book is going in a bad direction. And I usually just put it down. That's just me. I know a lot of people can like give a book a one star review. I just won't finish it. So for me, this was probably, probably a solid two and a half, three. There were a lot of things I liked, but the majority of them I did not, but still give it a chance because I am the outlier here. So many people adored this book. So just take it with a grain of salt. One thing I did want to mention that I just nearly died about this week was that Kristen Hanna released a new, not released a new book, but came out with the fact that she's releasing a new book in 2024 called The Women. I am so excited. As many of you know, and as many of you are with me here, Kristen Hanna is one of my all-time favorite authors, if not my favorite author. Every single book I have read of hers has been total five star. I talked about on my Instagram this week, the five star feeling I get when I read books. Kristen Hanna's books always do that for me. I loved Night Road. I loved The Nightingale. I loved Firefly Lane. I loved The Great Alone. I think that's all I've read from her. And I know I have a lot more to read, especially from her backlist. But I am literally obsessed with her writing. So the new book is called The Women. And there's not too, too much about it. But I'm I'm pulling up, I just pulled up an article from ABC News um, and it's coming, the book, The Women is coming in 2024. It says the next novel from million selling author Kristen Hanna is a war story set in the 1960s. And if you haven't seen the little reel that Kristen Hanna shared on her Instagram, definitely go watch it. Super, super cool. It is said that it will be published next winter, February 6th, and the novel follows the life of young nursing student Frances Frankie McGrath, whose traditional upbringing is upended by the Vietnam War, her decision to volunteer, and the bitter divisions it creates in the U.S. That's really cool, actually, because my Nana's name was Frances and she was a nurse, so that's pretty, I didn't know that, so that's kind of cool. Um, It says the women is the story of one woman going to war, but it shines a light on the story of all women who put themselves in harm's way to help others, according to the publisher. Women whose sacrifice and commitment to their country has all too often been forgotten. I have chills. This is going to be so freaking good. I am just, I cannot, cannot wait. Do not want to wish the time away, but February 6th, I will be picking that one up for sure. And because of that, I'm going to make more of an effort to read more Kristen Hanna books this year, especially The Four Winds, um, which I know has kind of like a love and hate relationship with a lot of people, but I'm really excited to read it. 
So that's about all I want to talk about right now before we get into the Meet Me at the Lake discussion. For this week's episode, we read up to chapter 13, so through chapter 12 up to chapter 13. So if you have not read up to chapter 13 yet, stop listening because there will be spoilers. Um, Or if you don't care and you want to listen along anyway, no problem, but just know there will be spoilers. Um, I'm an idiot and I did not put poll questions up this week, but I do have to stop calling myself an idiot and give myself some grace because I have a lot going on in my life. Um, So I'll just be talking about what I am thinking so far. I know a lot of you are really enjoying it. I'm on the fence. I'm not sure how I'm feeling about it, which is kind of crazy. But let me just start with my thoughts here, chapter by chapter that I wrote down. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. All right, so starting with chapter seven, I said, I don't know how, but Fern has suddenly had a severe change of heart about talking to the accountant about Brookbanks. She wants to prove to everyone that she can turn around and make it a profitable business and make sure it stays afloat for her mom's memory. She said she hasn't taken selling it off the table, but it, but to me, it's seeming less and less likely that she will end up selling. Um, then she goes and meets the Roses for their weekly cocktail hour of gin martinis, which is my favorite. And um, they invited Will over too. So they're all catching up um, and they talk. They start to talk about what happened to Fern as a teenager, but Will shuts it down himself. So we know that he ends up knowing what happened. Also, apparently he had a girlfriend there at Brookbanks with him last summer, but they've broken up since then. And for both of them to say that that night in Toronto was the best and most exciting time in their lives, and Fern still keeps an illustration he did for her hung up, we got to get some more juicy stuff going on at that night in Toronto. We then learned that Will has been living in Toronto for 10 years and he has never told Fern. Chapter 8, we're back in the flashback chapter to Fern and Will's day together. They decide to smoke some pot and Will digs in a bit 
about what happened in Fern's past. She does reveal that she read her mom's diary entries and and got so mad and called her every name in the book. And I personally, and I think we know this at this point, but I'm guessing that's the box that Peter dropped off for her and or an earlier chapter. She doesn't go into much more detail about the rebellious phase and that she's just better now and her and her mom have a better relationship now. Um, she does talk about how she doesn't want to go home because of what happened, which is definitely to me starting to make more and more sense. Jamie calls and they have a brief conversation, but apparently they've been talking less and less. And she talks about their sex life and how it's mostly just phone sex these days. And to me, she just doesn't seem happy with Jamie. And I think that that's she's kind of like tying a lot of her resentment about going back to Muskoka into her relationship with Jamie and just tying Jamie to the town that she doesn't want to go back to. And she's definitely just playing with fire here because she's very attracted to Will. And she says, and I quote, she is horny when she's high. So she's also jealous of Fred, clearly, who we find out Will has only been dating for five months at that point. Chapter nine, we're back to a present chapter. Fern is babysitting Owen so Whitney and her husband Cam can have a night together out at the restaurant at Brookbanks. And in their conversation before dinner, we learn that Fern and Jamie had an amicable breakup, which makes sense working together now. So I think we're going to get more details into that. But to me, it just seems like they probably just grew apart and had a breakup that it says that Fern started herself, but that um, Jamie kind of agreed with. When they leave, Owen immediately starts crying and Fern cannot stop him. And Will hears the crying from his cabin and comes over and immediately quiets him down. And I'm not going to lie. I, I know a few of you have also talked about this. My ovaries were tingling genuinely with the scene of Owen and Will together. And I have to say, I am starting to grow much fonder of Will. And I do want to know more about him. Apparently, his sister had a baby young, and that's how he knows so much about babies. But he was a little bit weird when he was talking about that. And he doesn't want to elaborate too much. And I was wondering why. When Fern mentions part of the cottage was rebuilt, and that she had to work extra shifts to help pay for it, in my mind, it almost completely confirms that she caused a fire of some kind. But how and why? Was she like wanting to burn her mom's diaries? I just don't know. Later, Will tells her he'll make two plans for her about the um, resort, one for if she sells it and one for if she decides to keep it and they're going to work together to figure it out. Then Fern starts reading more of her mom's diary entries and I'm just excited to learn more there. And at this point, I said I couldn't place how much older Peter is than her mom, but is it possible that Peter is her father? Does Fern know that or would it be a surprise? She said before she got to the end when she read them in high school, she freaked out at her mom. And why was that? Was it because she learned Peter was her father? Was it because her mom gave up her dreams or something bigger to stay at the resort? I also like that we learn a bit more about Fern and her mom's relationship and how they were just getting closer um, after Fern's rebellious stage. And obviously, that's just like incredibly sad because they would have just grown closer and closer, but she passed away. Chapter 10, I said I really enjoyed this chapter between Fern and Will, and I'm starting to really understand their banter and flirtatiousness a bit more. And I, I just have to put Jamie fully out of my mind and try my best to fully enjoy their relationship blossoming. So Fern confi confides in Will that she doesn't want to go home to Muskoka and definitely does not want to run the family business one day. They get sandwiches and then go to an art museum where Fern cries upon seeing a painting that reminds her of home. I think part of her loves home, honestly, and the sentimentality it brings to her, but she doesn't want the same life that her mom has. 
Then we get a sneak peek into her mom's diary entry from the summer before she had Fern. And her mom reveals she had a crush on Peter at one point, and that it would never be more because Peter didn't see her like that. But Peter also doesn't approve of the new lifeguard, Eric, that she likes. Could Eric be Fern's father? And Fern is mad because she wishes it was Peter instead. In chapter 11, a real estate agent comes to tour the property, and we learn that Will and Fern have been working together for about a week and just spending tons of time together that we kind of like jumped ahead. Obviously, Fern is very confused about her feelings for Will, but she's not letting herself give in. She wants to focus on what she's going to do with the resort. And so after the tour, Will and Fern meet to go kayaking and talk about the future of the resort. Apparently, the real estate agent was talking to them and what she meant by pricing the resort competitively meant that she would have to cut prices and most likely that would be in the form of laying people off. And I'm just like, how could she ever lay off Jamie and Peter? Like, I just don't know how she could. Also, Will mentions the fact that he thinks Jamie is still in love with her, and I agree. Like, I've been saying that the whole time. Also, who is this person that Will keeps having private phone calls with? I don't think it's a girlfriend, but I think that's what Carly Fortune is like kind of hinting at and wanting us to think. I'm thinking it's probably something to do with his sister and the baby, or maybe even his mom or dad. In this chapter, they're much more flirty, and they both give more innuendos that that day 10 years ago meant way more to them than they're letting on. Then they almost kiss in the doghouse, and even though that's the place where Fern and Jamie had a lot of sex, I really wanted that kiss to happen. There was just a lot of built-up tension and chemistry, and I'm just dying to read an actual sexy scene between them. Then later that night, Will leaves an album on Fern's doorstep with a picture he drew of her in the kayak and a note about how they do know each other. Okay, final chapter, chapter 12. I'm really getting into this now and really wishing I didn't have to stop reading. I love this bit between Will and Fern, and I'm almost thinking I love the flashbacks more than the present timeline. They go to a record store where Fern says she would get a Patti Smith record if she could, and I'm guessing that's the record that Will dropped off for her in the present timeline. Then Fern agrees to go see Will's friend play in a band. And there, after the friend asks Fern on a date, she reveals she has had a boyfriend for four years and Will is shocked. I need to know what happens next. Then in her mom's diary entry, she tells Peter that her and Eric are exclusive and he is not happy. We learn that Eric is five years older and that her mom is 22. It definitely seems like Peter likes her and she definitely has a crush on him. So this was a good chunk and I am enjoying it more after reading more. However, I can definitely confirm that I like the flashback chapters more than the chapters with the present day, which is kind of weird. I just love their banter with each other and their day just sounds like so much fun. And I'm just dying to know what happens next between Jamie and Will. Does Will get mad that she didn't share that she had a boyfriend earlier? What is on that one year plan they keep talking about each of them? Who is Fern's father? Is it Peter? Is it Eric? Why did she get so mad about reading the diary entries and potentially start a fire in the cottage? When will Will and Fern kiss in the present timeline? Is Jamie still in love with her? And if so, how will she confront him about it? And of course, will Fern sell the resort or will she keep it in the family? I am so excited to read more. So definitely this chapter and this chunk, sorry, really made me enjoy the book more. And I'm probably just going to read a lot of this while I'm in Orlando and on my flights and everything. And I might end up finishing it. We will see. Um, But I am just so, so excited to see what comes next. And I know all of you guys are too. 
for next week. For next week's episode, it's going to go up on May 22nd. You should be reading up to chapter 20. So through chapter 19 up to chapter 20 for next Monday's episode on May 22nd. And that's all I have for you guys today. A little bit of a shorter episode. I hope that's okay. Um, I am so excited to read more and discuss this with you. I will try my absolute best to put some poll questions up for this chunk um, for next week. So you guys can all be involved in the conversation too. But for now, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to follow me at Grace's Reading Nook for everything book related while I'm not chatting on this podcast. Again, thank you for listening and I will talk to you in next week's episode. Bye guys. In a world saturated with glossy facades comes a podcast that's breaking barriers. This is Reppin. It's where we do a deep dive into subjects like belonging, to mental health, to courage, and more. On Reppin, you'll meet the faces you think you know and discover their untold stories. It's real, it's intimate, and it gives you insight into the real person behind the images. In a world of pretense, Reppin strips it all down. No filters, no facades. Learn and be empowered and find inspiration through thought-provoking stories that resonate with your journey. Every episode is an exploration into the truths and values that make us who we are. Representation, it's not just about race or gender. It's about you. Reppin ensures that every voice is heard. Every story is valued. So be seen, be heard, and be represented. Listen to Reppin wherever you get your podcasts.